The air was thick on that particular morning. Its green haze was overwhelming at some points, especially in the lower valleys of the mountain range. Though the oxygen was breathable for humans, it didn't make you feel much better about it. You could practically taste the gases which persisted in the atmosphere due to the rampant volcanic activity on the world. Even from space you could see the foreboding brownish-green colors which almost appeared as a sickness that enveloped the planet. Of course, the natives, who called themselves the Korunai, translated as Uplanders in basic, had become well adapted to the fumes over the 700 generations they had lived in these hills. The planet of Harun Kal, another native term which meant above the clouds in basic, was hardly habitable except for the high altitudes of its mountains, in which one was able to escape the majority of the negative effects of the gas. This is where ancient, somewhat primitive people made their home. And though they were so different from myself in so many ways, they were also very familiar. They had a connection to the Force, which was, dare I say, untamed but beautiful at the same time. And though they perhaps skewed to the dark side, it was not in a dogmatic way. One may even argue it was necessary for their survival. I had been trained as a Jedi Knight. I was much more disciplined in the ways of the Force. Their understanding of it, however, was unwieldy, perhaps even savage but it helped them thrive in this hostile environment for all those years. So who am I to argue with the results? These peoples were clearly the descendants of the Jedi from the Great Sith War around 4000 BBY. They had survived all those years. To this day, they even have vibro shields, which were common in that era. There is some scant documentation of a transport vessel scaring Jedis to assist in the war effort, but were downed in the system, assumed dead at the time. But I knew these were their descendants. I felt it in my bones. In some sense, they were my cousins, so I had an affinity for them, even if their ways had strayed from orthodoxy. Finally, we arrived, traveling by foot to the village, many days from the capital city of Pelak Bal. It was impossible to navigate a transport vessel safely to this area, as there had been recent volcanic eruptions and the ashes still covered the sky. I would have had to wait for weeks, potentially, for the skies to clear. But I needed to complete my mission, here, and return to Coruscant for other business. What was my mission exactly? Well, I was here to recruit a new youngling into the Order, and because of the Karunai's strong natural connection to the Force, the Jedi had a particular interest in building a relationship with these people for said purposes. In Pelic Ball, I had been in negotiations with the Elder from the Gosh Windu tribe, over an infant who had been recently orphaned, and they were willing to let the young male into the care of the Order. My guide brought me to the building, 
which was nothing but a glorified hut, where children were cared for while their parents were hunting, farming, or performing other duties for their clans. As I walked in, there were children of various ages playing, crying, eating, naturally. The caretaker, an elderly woman with a tender smile, introduced me to the child. The infant could not have been more than four or five months old, but surprisingly was very calm and well-natured. He had dark skin with wide eyes. He looked straight at me as I held him. I sensed the force was strong with him. The elders were not lying that he was obviously very naturally gifted. There was no time to waste. As soon as night passed, I would be headed back to Pelek Ball with my party and the Windu child to initiate him into the Jedi Order. I believe this was a routine recruitment mission. But there was something about this child that I couldn't quite put my finger on. It was like he had some great role to play. But I digress. The previous story was a fictionalized account. However, many of the details were factual not the least of which was the description of Harun Kal, the people called the Korunai, and the Jedi Order discovering an infant child, strong in force, who would later bear his tribe's namesake, Mace Windu. You are listening to the Star Lore's Podcast. <laughs> To understand the legacy and importance of the great Jedi of legend, Mace Windu, one must first grasp the concept of shatter points, a force phenomena which Windu has highly adept in detecting even as a very young child, which was unheard of among the Jedi ranks. Shatter points are a complex and mysterious experience within the force. They shape events, lives, and objects across the galaxy. These fault lines, akin to pathways of actions, can be perceived by adept force users with an innate talent for intense concentration. Imagine fault lines within a Koroska gem, a tapestry of alternate actions waiting for the touch of the force to reshape destinies. Shatter points exist for fleeting moments, their delicate fracture lines altering events in unpredictable ways. These phenomena extend beyond events existing within living beings as well. For example, Cade Skywalker's unique ability allowed him to perceive shatter points within others. Focusing on areas of past healing, Cade could uncover old wounds, 
a microcosm of the broader concept present in all beings. Shatter points aren't confined to the living. They can also affect inanimate matter. By channeling the force into weak points, adept users can shatter even the sturdiest materials. Jaina Solo's effortless shattering of Mandalorian iron underlines the force's power to dismantle the seemingly indestructible. Philosophically, Kreia, from the Old Republic era, recognized shatter points as fractures. Actions, though well-intentioned, can unravel due to unforeseen repercussions. Kreia's insight reveals the understanding shatter points requires a profound awareness of the force's intricate design. Darth Cadius employed shatter points for both creation and destruction. With a touch, he shattered Mandalorian armor and blasters. His mastery underscores the dual nature of shatter points, an entity capable of forging and dismantling. Cade Skywalker, Cole Skywalker's Force Ghost, and Luke Skywalker himself grasped shatter points. These threads, weaving destinies and altering events, beckon those attuned to the Force's grand design. Mace Windu's ability to detect shatter points was uncanny, and it made him irreplaceable in the Jedi Order. That, along with his caution and wisdom, he would eventually join the ranks of the Jedi Masters and the Jedi Council itself. Windu began his training, even as a toddler, under the tutelage of Master Yoda, and from very early on, before he was even a Padawan, he could see shatter points. He would eventually achieve the rank of Padawan and train under Neti Jedi Master, Tura Sa. The young apprentice excelled at all he did, and he was a perfectionist, which was perhaps both his greatest strength and weakness. Though he achieved the highest scores in his class, he was very slow at constructing his lightsaber due to his meticulous nature. He did not want to construct an average blade, he wanted the best, even if it meant he fell behind his fellow students. The Jedi Council became concerned that two years had passed and he still had not completed his lightsaber. He was queried about this by the council, and in their meeting, Windu explained his dilemma and requested that he be released to go find the best lightsaber components in the galaxy. After some deliberation, the council agreed to allow the Padawan to pursue this challenge to test his knowledge and ability. They released him to the barren, rocky planet of Hurricane, where the deep violet hurricane crystal was known to be. One of the difficulties of retrieving such a crystal was that they actually grew on the bodies of the native species of the planet, who have yet to be identified by any Republic biologists. So one would either have to obtain it voluntarily or by force. The young Mace Windu arrived on the planet and attempted negotiations with the natives which did not go well. They became hostile towards him and attacked. Though he had no physical weapons, 
His use of the force was more than enough to defend himself to make an escape. They chased after him over rocky outcrops and through deep ravines. Eventually, one of the natives slipped in his pursuit, falling dozens of meters into a canyon, becoming badly injured. Windu witnessed this happen and took pity on the creature. Realizing there was no one else in pursuit of him, he climbed down into the crevasse and found the native lying on the canyon floor in a broken state. Utilizing his Shatterpoint ability, the Padawan pieced his assailant back together, completely healing him and saving him from certain death. The native, so moved by what he had done, despite attempts to kill him only hours earlier, gifted Mace with one of the hurricane crystals growing out of his limbs. Through wisdom, skill, and Jedi compassion, he had finally accomplished his mission. Windu would achieve the rank of Jedi Knight after this, and his completion of the Jedi Trials but it still took him many years to finally complete his iconic purple lightsaber. In the meantime, he used a more standard blue blade, and on occasion would also use the green blade, which was formerly utilized by his late friend and peer, Eeth Koth. Master Windu. Mace was something of a virtuoso inside the Order. He was incredibly talented, while at the same time displaying many of the Jedi virtues and faithfully upholding the principles of the Order. This was a rare combination. The Council found it unusual when highly gifted knights also had a character to match. As Windu would find out in his later years, naturally talented Jedi like Anakin Skywalker would ultimately take down the entire Order because of his untamed passions. Temperamentally, Skywalker and Windu could not be further apart. In his early 20s, he would be granted the rank of Master, a feat almost unheard of. His meteoric rise through the Order was not over, however. In 50 BBY, the youthful Jedi Master would be sent on a vital mission by the Council to help quell the Arcanian Revolution. It was here that Windu led a small but specialized team that turned the tides of the Civil War. He bested the cyborg military leader, Gorm the Dissolver, which led to the events that ended the conflict. He performed his duty with finesse and precision, impressing the Jedi Council to an immense degree. Because of his actions in this vitally important galactic situation, at the unusually young age of 28, Mace Windu was invited to join the Jedi High Council on Coruscant, the youngest to ever achieve this feat. It wasn't long after that when he was appointed as Master of the Order, an elected position by unanimous consent of the rest of the High Council, not to be confused with Grandmaster, a title held by Yoda. As Master of the Order, he would have final say in the priorities of the council and even veto power in many instances. This position was an administrative one, though a large amount of power and responsibility came with it. 
including deciding who was to be granted the rank of master. In these matters, even the Grand Master was expected to defer to the Master of the Order. One example of, his, of this was when Windu decided against training a preteen initiate by the name of Obi-Wan Kenobi to become a Jedi Knight because of a lack of interest in him by other masters as the boy was perceived as relatively unimpressive. Despite Yoda vouching for the young Kenobi, he could not overrule Master Windu. A year later, the situation changed, however, as a master by the name of Qui-Gon Jinn requested he be allowed to take on the boy as an apprentice. The council agreed, and Master Windu approved of him continuing his training. Among his many other accomplishments, the enigmatic Jedi, also in the rarefied air of being one of the greatest lightsaber duelists of all time, he had mastered all seven of the combat forms, including one of his own that he developed, the Vipad form. This style, however, was not for the faint of heart, and Windu did not teach it to just anyone, as it was intentionally designed to harness the darkness within the practitioner, and that of their opponent, to defeat them in combat. In order to use this form, one would have to be the most upright and virtuous character, as some were driven to the dark side by attempting to master the art. This is why Windu took very few pupils to teach the form. It is also what made the Jet Master Jedi such a dangerous foe. Over the years of his tenure on the High Council, the Master of the Order dealt with many trials, including the sabotage of the Jedi Temple, the deaths of several prominent Jedi, and the Yankori Uprising, which would eventually reveal to him that there was a darkness lurking in the shadows of the Republic, and this deeply troubled him. Wars and Rumors of Wars In 33 BBY, the Jedi Council on Coruscant received an emergency holographic communique from a Republic soldier stationed on the planet of Mavish 7. In the message, a clearly flustered man gave a stark warning that the Yankari were planning a hostile takeover of the Chalinor system, and now had imperialistic ambitions to expand their border and possibly even attempt to rival the Republic. The problem with this, however, was that the message was sent four days prior, and the Yankari invasion was already underway. Master Windu, with the blessing of Chancellor Valorum, sent the Jedi Knight Nia Shan and her apprentice, Ibor Tok, on a secretive mission to investigate the situation in the Yankor system. The Jedi, however, were not very familiar with these people, and clearly they were not prepared for the fact that the Yankari were able to resist force mind manipulation. It was not long before Nei Shan and her Padawan had their cover blown. They were captured and swiftly executed. The Yankari, in a show of intimidation, sent the dead remains of the two Jedi to the Chancellor's doorstep. For all the wisdom and meticulous care Mace Windu took in all of his important decisions, 
This was perhaps one of his greatest tactical failures. When the Jedi Council received word of the deaths, they immediately sprung into action, assembling three strike teams of four Jedi, one led by Master Windu. They soon made their way to the Yinkari system and started attacking strategic military operations to kneecap their efforts. The shrewd Yinkors knew there would be a response and already had a plan to attack the Jedi directly at their temple on Coruscant, while the Council was focusing time and resources fighting them in their own system. They sent a team of elite commandos, and they were going to try and wipe out as many Jedi in one fell swoop as they could. If successful, it would have sent shockwaves to the Republic, and the Jedi Order would have dissolved into chaos. But as good as they were at resisting mind tricks, they still underestimated the power of the Force. Yoda sensed their arrival in the system, and immediately made preparations to mount a defense. Thanks to the Grand Master's quick thinking, they were able to repel the commandos and avoid an untimely demise. Meanwhile, back in the Yankari system, the strike teams were successful in their mission, but not without losses of their own. Micah Guillette, a member of the High Council, sacrificed himself to ensure their victory. His death was felt in the Force by many. It also deeply grieved Mace Windu, as he felt responsible for Giet's demise. Even the com comforting words of his friend, Qui-Gon Jinn, could not assuage his downtrodden spirit. After the uprising had been resolved, both Yoda and Windu knew something was amiss. They felt a dark presence was behind these events, lurking in the shadows. Indeed, their intuition would be correct, as it was, in fact, Darth Sidious and his Zabrak apprentice, Maul, who secretly conspired with the Yinkar to mount their assault. This would be the first of many attempts to covertly take down the Republic and Jedi Order. Unfortunately, it would be too late by the time the conspirators were exposed. As the years went on, there would be terrorist attacks, Jedi would disappear, never to return, plagues, political turmoil, and rebellions. There was chaos breaking out in the waning years of the Republic, and the Master of the Order was unsure how to solve the mounting crisis. This would eventually climax into the Trade Federation's invasion of Naboo, setting off a series of events that would result in the events of the Clone Wars. It was during the Clone Wars that Windu would resign his post on the Jedi Council to devote all of his time and energy as a general in the Republic's clone army to fight the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Grandmaster Yoda would retain his current position and assume Master Windu's mantle, at least until the war was over. Mace Windu's exploits during the Great Clone War will be a topic explored at a later date.
now, a word from our sponsors. At Cleavis and Associates, we are dedicated to helping all life forms and droids with any legal trouble that they might have. We cover everything from speeder accidents to personal injuries. But don't just hear it from me, hear it from our happy clients. Grievous and Associates took my case and won. Thank you, Grievous. Without Grievous and Associates, I would be done for. Grievous and Associates, serving justice with joy precision. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lores podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon. So if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome aboard the the Millennial Falcon. This is Jordan. This is Christian. Uh, We are just hovering over the volcanic gas planet of Harun Kal, Mace Windu's homeworld. Um... Not exactly the most habitable or best-looking planet. <laughs> yeah. uh, Devil, Major Mustafar vibes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doesn't smell great either. <laughs> it's a, an acquired taste. Let's <laughs> let's call it that. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, so today we're talking about uh, one of the great legends, the man, uh, the myth, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, um, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Mace Windu. <laughs> Mace Windu. Um, no, actually, uh, just on that point, too, of like, because, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is like, 
he creates characters more than characters create him, <laughs> right? Like, like he is the character. It's hard to imagine anyone else playing Mace Windu now that Samuel L. Jackson has been Mace Windu. Yeah. So if they ever tried to like recast him or something, I just don't think it would work. Uh, same with like Han Solo. Like, how some of I, these characters are just so yeah, they're they're intertwined with the, the person. Yeah, the actor them. who plays them is like makes them what they are and it'd be really tough to like see anyone else in that role yeah i so i do have a slight gripe with that okay in that it's almost like the nicholas cage effect i i'm not a big fan of nicholas cage in any movie i watch with nicholas cage it's just nicholas cage in it for me um have so you seen it, lord of war Yes, that's one movie that I will say. That's his, very, his one good movie. Same with Kick-Ass, too. I actually like his character. That was a good movie, yeah. too, yeah. Regardless. <laughs> um, so is that a sign of a good actor if you see the actor and not the person they're supposed to portray? I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying true, the case yeah, for yeah. Sam Jackson. I'm just saying. I like Sam Jackson, but I'm just saying. If yeah. you're always the same, it's like Vin Diesel. Like It's just Vin Diesel yeah. playing Vin Diesel. Um, yeah. So... That's just my two cents on acting, but you're not wrong. Uh, it's not a, a terrible point to bring up, but um, yeah, I can't imagine anyone else playing Windu either, though. At this point, yeah, <laughs> it'd be hard to. I I hope they don't recast him, or they at least give him like the uh, Mandalorian Luke Skywalker treatment. treatment. Yeah, where they actually make it him digitally and, paste yeah. his face on somebody. Yeah, and digitally remake his voice. <laughs> I mean, the man is still alive. I'm sure he could record a voice <laughs> yeah, yeah. line or two. It's true. But, it, yeah, I, w- I wonder how much, it, you know, because, like, a, a James Earl Jones, if you compare his uh, voice in Rogue One, yeah. he sounds so old you compared can, to You can the, actually hear <laughs> yeah, you can the see. aging. Yeah. yeah, you're like, ooh. And there's enough, in, enough good impersonators of James Earl Jones now that you could hire some credible, like, people to well not only that i think you could probably there's so much voice of james earl jones you recorded ai digital generate voice, it yeah. um you could just get someone to talk and then it'll like interpose his voice over top of it yeah. uh, which i do wonder if they did that so i'm like halfway through the kenobi series um i i don't know did they use james earl jones in that i don't remember i didn't anything actually about kenobi at, okay i, I mentally actually, blocked it out <laughs> oh really yeah I didn't. Th- I don't think it's so well. I'm only halfway through it, but I th- so far it's like not amazing. But I thought it was better than Book of Boba Fett. Well, keep, <laughs> keep your ears peeled because we will. Um, well, I'm sure we'll do a review episode on yeah. it specifically. Yeah, that that'll be for another day. But anyway, right, looks like they did AI generate Vader's voice. Oh, from there a you cursory go. Cursory Google search. Yeah. So. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. I hear there's a whole strike about that going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's a whole yeah, other issue we won't get into. Better buckle up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, if they do recreate Mace Windu, like I, I hope they just keep the Samuel L. Jackson, L. Jackson vibe. Yeah. Um, in any case, uh, yeah. Um, there were a couple points I wanted to bring up that I didn't exactly bring up in the uh, scripted portion, just because it was getting like a little bit too long. But there's like. There was uh, the Nebula Front organization, which actually attacked Chancellor Valorum and hurt him. And um, uh, Windu was like involved with that, and they were able to flush out and kill the leader. 
there was also the flail, uh, which they were like, not so much, they were a terrorist organization, but they were more of like a political extremist organization. They were like very populist. And got to remember, this is a, like sort of like the waning years of the Republic. Uh, they're seen as just like corrupt. They don't do anything for anyone. Yeah. And there's a lot of discontent with them. So uh, these kind of organizations are obviously going to pop up. With the flail, they were like a little different than the Nebula Front because they, the Jedi in some ways felt sympathetic towards them but they still had like a duty to protect the uh the republic the republic and like a lot of senators were attacked by the flail and and stuff like that so that does bring up some interesting questions i know we've kind of touched on in the past about the jedi council's relationship with the republic and like they kind of nail themselves to the mast of that ship yes so also they nail themselves to the corruption of that (laughs) ship and it puts them in that awkward position like you're saying where they're like well, we're duty bound to protect politicians that we know are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to defend them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the Jedi were basically the personal body bodyguards of Chancellor Valorum. Right. Yeah. Like, and uh, they were like counter terrorist unit. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they also did like, so another thing I didn't touch a whole lot on, I wish I, in retrospect, maybe wish I should, should have, but like, Another big part of Mace Windu's role as in the Jedi Council was that, like as a diplomat, and so he went. He went. He would on have a been especially of, politically active. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he went on a lot of diplomatic missions for not just for the Jedi but also for the Republic. Uh, and he he was actually very skilled at it. He was like highly regarded as a diplomat. Um, but uh, yeah, he was he was kind of he he was kind of deep in that. You kind of see him as that role, even in the in the uh, episode three, like he's a liaison between the Chancellor, which is like pretty significant to be the Jedi that's talking to the head of the Republic, yeah. right? Um, but there, it all it, it also brings up another point, one that was pointed out in the scripted portion was that he's the master of the Order, um, so he's actually in in some regards outranks Yoda, <laughs> even though Yoda like trained him and yeah. uh, is. Yoda is more like the, uh, um, I don't, it's like, you know how some political systems have like a president and a prime minister. Yeah. It, I almost view it as like Yoda's like the prime minister and, and, uh, Mace Windu's, Windu's the, president, the president and he's like more, he does have more power. He interacts more with the, uh, Republic and the, outside bodies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and has yeah, he has more decision making power, but I think Yoda is more in control of like Jedi doctrine and um, training they, and stuff. Yeah, they like have that. like kind of a, a separation of powers. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when when uh, Mace Windu resigns his post to go fight in the Clone Wars, then Yoda takes on both uh, roles. He takes on both roles, which was actually pretty typical. Um, historically there have been a with a there have been a couple exceptions where the roles were split but they are actually usually held by one person grandmaster and yeah, master and of the order master of the order yeah uh so but it, it's sort of weird it was kind of hard to find like any material on exactly what their roles were you just kind of have to infer it from what you see them do uh, I, I think like one thing that is clear is the master of the order like decides who is going to be a, a Jedi master. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
like you see that quite significantly yeah in the case of anakin yes exactly you see that with uh where um uh windu denies anakin the rank of of master and even like overrules yoda right um so there are matters uh that mace windu can overrule yoda so it is maybe a misconception that yoda at least until the third movie, um, Yoda was like the, the, the man in the charge, bi- the big yeah. guy in charge. It was actually Mace Windu, um, and so I think that is an important thing to point out. And and especially in the expanded universe material, they really set that up even more. I don't think they explained it super well in the films uh, how important his role was yeah. and how like. Uh, um, at least I don't recall it being like something that stuck out to me. Like he obviously seemed an important role in the council, but yeah, he's like the I only other council member that speaks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I wasn't thinking, oh, he's actually like the head guy on the council. Like I was always just, I just, I think just psychologically you assume it's Yoda, yeah, right? And just because of his prominence yeah. as a OG character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but, um. Yeah, it's uh, and and I couldn't find this, but like Yoda obviously was grand ma- has been grandmaster for probably centuries, yeah. In the in the order, and he inherited it from the woman that he inherited the order from. She was both master of the order and grandmaster. So I don't know if Yoda inherited the master of the order, then resigned that post and give and, it to Windu or well, some not other get, predecessor. It's actually um, elected. Elected. It's a the unanimous consent by the council right okay. so maybe yoda just wanted to like have less burden on his shoulders and he is kind of old uh for his species by yeah. the by the time you hit the movies he's already like up there in age right so i kind of assume that he would held both titles before mace windu and then after mace windu. also keeping in mind that windu is a human so his that's right life span and expectancy too is like a lot yeah yoda could have held the post for a hundred years right. before so, passing it on to windu or even yeah. if windu had a predecessor like you said it's not clear if it had been split earlier yeah yeah so. and also just windu's like natural talents um and we'll get into like this more like with the vapid style of uh fighting form and but also he was just like windu was never a guy who would ever betray the order um, he, there was never any hint in any writings of him like turning to the dark side. Yeah. He, he was always like, I get very strong, like paladin vibes from Windu. Yeah, he totally. is like the yeah. quintessential Jedi Yeah, uh, for good and for bad. Um, yeah. the new tales of the Jedi series, which is a Disney canon thing really like does emphasize this, especially when you have a, pl- a interplay between Windu and Dooku mm. because Dooku and Qui-Gon are more like is the order wrong? Right, yeah. And they're a little more kind of like fast and loose where yeah. Windu is like, we're by the book. Yeah, exactly. And and that speaks to Windu's character and talents too. Like Windu, if not for someone like Anakin, like Windu would be the essentially like chosen levels of yeah. talent, right? Like he is unprecedented in how quickly he ascends the ranks. He is yeah. super talented as a force user, as a... As a, as a Duelist, duelist yeah. as like everything that is it means to be a Jedi, and he's like a goody two shoes too. Yeah, like and he, exactly. But that's yeah. exactly <laughs> the flaw in Windu is that he is so by the book. Yeah, which is kind of hilarious if you think about Sam Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, like that is his character. Is he is so black and yeah. white. 
but he but he also he cares about protecting the institution that's like his primary concern his yeah. concern isn't with you jedi who has like these uh fringe beliefs about something <laughs> or, or is angry like mace windu's primary concern is you protect the institution at all costs yeah. right for and good or for yeah, bad for, because for that can better be or for worse. right yeah. exactly uh-huh. And um, and you see that with his interplay with Anakin, right? Like, yeah, he's very hard on Anakin. Yeah, but, sorry, go ahead. Um, it, it, what's also interesting is like his Shatterpoint ability, and Shatterpoint's is kind of a weird um, concept. Concept, yeah. Uh, it, it seems like it, it's it's almost yeah. There, there's a lot of these like uh, Star Wars stories that want to always up the ante and find like a new um, take on the force. Yeah, a new force ability that no one has, right? Yeah. So Shatterpoint almost seems like it's going so eso- like esoteric or abstract, maybe that it's like sort of weird. But um, you know, with his ability to <sighs> detect Shatterpoints, you would think he would be able to see like all these different uh, decision Outcomes. chains uh, that would happen. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't really, he only has like a suspicion. So, you know, some might, some might say, well, like he was being clouded by the dark side. By That's like literally Palpatine. what I was going to argue. Yeah, yeah. That like uh, Palpatine is like clouding everyone's judgment. Right. And, and uh, making them unable to see, but then you'd also have to assume that, Palpatine or Sidious uh, or maybe even Plagius uh, had like knew a lot about shatter points and then were able specifically to yeah they were able to conceal exactly Um, so I don't know it it does seem like it's sort of a post facto introduction like the book shatter points yeah (laughs) that's kind of where it was introduced yeah it's like a Mace Windu novel Um, but yeah yeah I don't I don't know how I feel about it. It does seem a little extraordinary. Um I don't hate the concept. Um and other characters seem to exhibit this yes, yeah. newly introduced power. It's almost like battle meditation with Bastila and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. And then it's kind of reintroduced through other characters. Yeah. Um, well, well there's a, they but again they introduce it post facto after the right. the concept has been introduced. They say, Oh, Kreia, she actually like had the ability to see shatter points, right? right? Like it, when she called fractures in the force, right? And yeah. all sorts of, so, it, which isn't like the worst interpretation. I see it almost but, like Neo being able to see things like through the matrix. Yeah. So it's like he can see more and understand more about quote unquote reality and the potential yeah. for realities to, to unfold. I don't have a problem with it personally. I don't think it's, it is kind of interesting that it like, it affects both the physical material universe. Like there's physical shatter points that yeah. can destroy objects the same as ones that can like change the course of history. It just yeah. doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't seem to meld well. It's like, yeah. why can't these be two distinct powers? But yeah. I don't, I, I don't think it's like universe breaking in any yeah. regard. Yeah, for sure. And I do, I do sort of see the, um, the importance of like the mechanism because in especially in trying to write Windu's backstory, you're trying to make him like uh, important or impressive enough that he, exceptional. Yeah, yeah, that he, why would like why would he be on the Jedi Council? Why would he be a master at such a young age and on the Jedi Council at such yeah. a young age? Like what would what would make well we have this ability that he is like uncanny at doing at a very young age. So that 
that's that's sort of like his his thing that yeah that's the thing he hangs his hat on right but but he's also just in, incredibly disciplined and um uh virtuous as well and has a yeah. like a high character but which does play into the whole Vapad thing if you want to dive into that now yeah so like a, yeah we did um mention the uh he actually uh, develops but, his own lightsaber form yeah which is, again a pretty exceptional feat too yeah uh and uh, there's this other form like it's sort of weird like there's this other form seven but this the pad is like windu's um addition to the form seven which was uh originally called juyo um and even like um um from what i understand even like sidious mastered juyo but the pad was like uh this um I guess a twist on this and an addition to Julio and uh but it was like incredibly dangerous and even one thing that Mace Windu did he he uh cre- he created this creature on uh, the planet um uh, what planet was sorry I'm let me just look it up here for a second it was on the planet Serapin and uh the he created these creatures from the force um or self alchemy there yeah uh sounds very <laughs> similar to like uh uh a dark side creation called the Tarentatech. uh and <laughs> it's sounds like dangerous and not like the lights out of the force but that's just <laughs> me um so <clears throat> windu was like even though yes he was like very interested in protecting the institutions he wasn't afraid to experiment and like push the boundaries almost like the whole first fact fraction schism of the order came from literally this (laughs) biomancy (laughs) yes exactly um but he 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 called these creatures the vapids and and he trained with them this is how he trained his fighting style uh on this planet serapin and um, but it was like you, you, the style itself, you actually had to um, utilize or like tap into your inner darkness that's inside of you and also yeah. the darkness of your, your opponent and, and leverage that against them and yeah. like draw it out of them. It's so almost like fighting fire with fire kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And you kind of throw them off their game and then you, but you also get power from like your own inner darkness, which is again, it sounds, sounds very dangerous. Uh, the only way I could like maybe kind of interpret it is like maybe Windu for himself saw it almost as like a cleansing. He was able to like cleanse himself of the darkness that was within him and, yeah. and, um, and actually use it as a powerful ability. <clears throat> but most people, when they tap into their own, it like, consumes them. Yeah. Their inner darkness, it turns to the dark side and, yeah. and they're not able to but there are like lots of stories in in the universe of like of uh jedi engaging in what is typically seen as dark arts there i can't even remember where i was reading this so excuse me but uh there have been even jedi who've used force lightning yeah uh, uh it's not unheard of it's like usually ill-advised it's not but it's not like you can't use <laughs> yeah i think the whole thing abilities. is a question of yeah will it corrupt you is it a good idea to play so close with fire play with fire yeah some people like again windu being this paragon can actually do that and not burn himself right because yeah he trusts himself to not fall he's so talented and like um his character is so strong 
But like, hey, dude, like you probably shouldn't do that if you're not yeah. pretty much the pinnacle of like. Yeah. And Jedi in fact, teaching. he didn't trust anyone to like learn the form. Like he barely he taught two people and the the two people that he did train actually ended up yeah, turning to the, to the dark, dark side. side right. So. Like, so it's a very dangerous. And I think even he knew that it was it, it was dangerous knowledge. Yeah. D- dangerous knowledge. Um Quinlan Voss learned the form um, and uh, he temporarily turned to the dark side, but did come back to the light side. But yeah, it, it's, uh, I don't know if he did that because of the form. Um, I'm not, but there's a lot of like complex political. It wasn't just the form. Okay. Like, yeah. He was also working deep cover. Right. On the side of the Confederacy and yeah. Yeah. Touching into the dark side and stuff. So there, his story is a whole complex narrative, which we'll get into, but yes, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It um, doesn't help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so very, very interesting form, interesting concept even to like br- bring up with Mace Windu and see like how much he was really like, uh, if if anything, that was probably Mace Windu's only like flirtation with the dark side was probably yeah his, this form that not he to um not to lean too heavily on other forty k material, but to me it sounds a lot like a Grey Knight using a chaos weapon. Yeah, like he's he's the only one that's pure enough to use a weapon of the enemy against itself. Yeah, so that's kind of how I I interpret it. Um, there's also elements of balance within Star Wars that people people keep forgetting about light and dark. Absolutely. So yeah. it's also maybe not inherently wrong to tap into the dark side yeah. if you look at it from the balance lens, like Windu's actually balancing the two forces. Yeah. Where it's very easy for that scale to tip to the dark side when using the pad, but he's again so talented that he's able to keep it in balance, which is the whole point of yeah. the force. So I don't yeah. think it's necessarily you could even uh, lo- knock it up to like just Jedi dogma, right? Because if you go far back, far enough, you look at the exactly. Jedi and they How the, regularly practice both light side and dark, and dark side, side techniques. Yeah. So right? if anything, that is the truest form of Jediness. Right. Yeah, but and they were obsessed with balance. But the Jedi always talk about balance too. But their idea of balance is all light. Yeah, yeah. is like the light. Well, you just have to have the light side, right? And, yeah. And. Uh, and I think maybe that creates like a vacuum in the force that creates like Darth Sidious, and, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, also this other interesting point um, were the journals of Mace Windu. Uh, and these were written during his mission to his home planet of Harem Cal, uh, which was actually a whole nother big adventure of Mace Windu I didn't totally get into in the episode it was earlier on in his, his career, but it was uh, it was a significant um, point where he returns to his home planet. He had never been back since he was a little baby, yeah, and recruited by the Jedi. Uh, so he goes and like he uh, sees his people and and meets his brother and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's cool! I didn't even know yet. Yeah, yeah, he has a brother. Um, but um, there, so he wrote this journal while he was there, and he had like these. Uh, hollow recordings and, and they were actually interestingly they were used as propaganda by the empire um because <laughs> uh, they had found the journal and and um they took statements that he made about the republic 
out of context and basically made it look like the Jedi were planning to overthrow the to Republic. overthrow the Republic, yeah. which was the whole thing that yeah. cities pinned on them. Yeah, yeah, which is why Senator Palpatine had to take emergency powers and classic story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know. Uh, but later on, um, uh, Luke Skywalker and his order sort of canonized the journals of Mace Windu, and like they're part of the Jedi Temple. And and what do you mean canonized? Well, not canonized, but like they're part of the. I don't know if there's a Jedi canon in Luke's Jedi Order, but yeah, the, they were part of the Jedi Temple, sacred and, Jedi texts. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, they're like important from like one of the greatest Jedi and greatest lightsaber duelists. And, yeah. Uh, I'm surprised he's never left behind something more like a holocron or something more substantial that you see other. Well, the journals were like holocrons. Yeah, but that's, there's a big difference. Like when you have yeah. holocron technology, that's so much better than just written words. Obviously, you're going to take what you can get. Yeah. But again, like you said, someone as prominent as Mace Windu, maybe it got lost in the destruction of the temple or anything yeah. like that. But Could be. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, that's sort of like uh, Windu. Uh, uh, most of the stuff I had about Windu. Um, I just don't want to touch on one of his very iconic um, elements, which is his amethyst or purple lightsaber blade. Yeah. Um, a lot of people already know this. It was kind of like a personal request by Sam Jackson uh, to Lucas when they right, filmed yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> um, in the past, um, Windu did have a different colored lightsaber canoni- canonically. Yeah. When I say canonically, I mean like within the legends universe yeah always have to make that distinction (laughs) um he had a blue one i even remember my younger brother had an action figure of mace windu when episode one came out because you know he never draws a lightsaber in episode one he came with a blue lightsaber gotcha um and he's had a few lightsabers even in so they have to like retroactively yeah make that (laughs) continuity right yeah so he has had different lightsabers in the past but the obviously we know him with the purple blade we see him actually draw it on screen in episode two, and that was at the personal request of Sam Jackson because he wanted to. He liked the color, and he wanted to be prominent. When you see all the Jedi fighting on Geonosis, you can actually pick out Windu when everyone else has blue and green blades. Windu's pretty, yeah, exactly. pretty prominent. Yeah. Um, there is something to that purple lightsaber, though. Um, so again, this kind of retroactive reading into of this purple blade, it's not explicitly mentioned in the eu but it has been since canonized in the disney canon is where like purple obviously comes from a blending of blue and red yeah and that kind of speaks to that whole element of balance that we're talking about the pad right of dark and light right yeah um red obviously it does sort of fit with his Sith. with his uh Character. fighting style yeah. that he created right um and so purple lightsabers are fairly rare again you can see it just in the general use of the order but there are other characters um, who do use purple blades and some of them do play into that dynamic of balance. So yeah. Darth Revan is pretty um, remarkable in the sense of like, he's another character that touches the dark and the light Yeah, uses a purple blade. Jaina solo. She, yeah. again, that whole element of balance, um, other character, uh, the dark woman uses a purple blade, but she leans much more into the dark. Yeah. Hence the name. Another <laughs> character who's quite significant that will ha- have her own episode. Um, and then other characters like Heidi Moody actually had a purple blade historically at one point as well. Yeah. So rare, but not solely unique to Mace Windu himself. Yeah. Um, really quick too. I, would, I, I absolutely love the character of Mace Windu. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, both the Sam Jackson 
fanboyism, but also like the character himself is really cool. He's like this foil to Anakin, right? Like, yeah, he is what a Jedi could and should be. Yeah. Versus Anakin, who obviously falls to the dark side. I wish their Windu and Anakin's fight was like, a, like it could have been like an Obi Wan level of yeah. like focus of where you see these two character contrasting characters yeah. actually fight it out on screen. Yeah, and I did mention that in the script too that like they personality wise, temperament wise, they were like the complete opposites, opposites of each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they really contrast each other. You know. Um, yeah. And yeah, like Anakin does nothing by the book. Anakin is always like willing to stretch the rules, and yeah, which and, is literally the opposite of when. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um. On that note, obviously, as we know, anyone that's watched episode three, Anakin does actually ultimately dispatch Mace Windu. Yeah. Well, sort of leads to his dispatch. Yeah. I guess technically Sidious. Yeah, Sidious lands throws the, him off the the ledge, the mountain. Whatever. Yeah. Or, building which is kind of unceremonious death yeah that's what i was gonna say it was it was like one of those deaths that like so this is literally my point that i was gonna go into the conspiracy theory that people want that mace windu returns oh yeah i've seen really cool art it's very easy to make him survive that yes (laughs) of all the characters that could have like if they can resurrect darth maul you can definitely resurrect mace windu yeah that being said i don't want them to do it only because that would be another character that death is not right yeah it, it takes away from their death yeah or like the the importance of death even as overall like star wars is already rife with characters that yeah. should stay dead um but i do again because i like the character so much i'm like yeah that would be kind of <laughs> cool actually if he came back um again with that whole element of like you could see him lean into the dark side of like yeah. having survived this really traumatic incident, really traumatic event with the destruction of the entire order, everything he believes in. Like that would just be such a cool character arc to see him come emerge from like the depths of Coruscant and like the oh, criminal yeah. underbelly. And <laughs> like I said, I've seen some really cool fan art oh, for yeah. it. It's the one character I'm like, oh, I would love to see this, but also don't, don't do it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> there were even rumors early on when the force awakens came out that he was going to be um snoke oh snoke okay. was a uh, disfigured and wounded oh Mace yeah Windu. yeah okay but snoke what a <laughs> waste what yeah what just i don't even understand what the point of his character was <laughs> there wasn't one yeah and there wasn't one to the whole but anyways that's not mace windu there's a point to his character yeah <laughs> But uh, yeah, another thing that was kind of a little tough, other with the exception of like the book Shatter Points, like Mace Windu isn't really the main character. He's always like in most other stories, he's kind of just even like in a lot of the stuff I was reading about him, he he's just more like a side character, like a supporting actor role. Yeah, uh, he's not really like the main character in any of these stories i think it's difficult to have the paragon be your main character because they get yeah. boring and that's actually the problem with characters like ray and stuff is yeah. like okay they have no challenges and they're too good at everything and yeah. there's no flaws there's no conflict right yeah um so that's probably why he's a better as a supporting character yeah that being said i think there could be a lot there that you could write into with the whole element of balance. Maybe he's like constantly in this state of like, no too far this way, yeah. no too far that way, always keeping himself checked and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's also like moments where like in the Yinkari up, uprising, his like fellow council member was killed. And a lot of it was because of Mace Windu's own like bad tactical mistakes. Like he underestimated them and, uh, 
they ended up like killing all these people and like Qui-Gon and Mace Windu is like super shook about it and even Qui-Gon has to like try and bring him back to like so there are like these kind of moments of of weaknesses yeah. that he has but um uh but it's just it's more like big tactical mistakes right that he yeah. makes as opposed to like personal failings I think too that's interesting because when you do have a character that is a paragon and like I think in real life when you see a person who's like that who's per- "Quote unquote perfect." Yeah, like the type A. When the, yeah, kind of person. but when they make a mistake, it's utterly devastating right, yeah. because they don't make mistakes. They're right. not supposed to make mistakes, right? Yeah. I think that's actually how it is depicted with yeah. Mace Windu as well. Is like he, like this he shouldn't have made these mistakes, but but again, this is also with the the dark side had started already clouding like the Yinkari uprising um, Sidious and Plagueis yeah it was behind a, it. a direct political yeah. machination yeah like and they they were able I think they were able to like cloak it with the dark side so that it, it wasn't as easy to for them to yeah, detect it wasn't, what was going on right and so. typically those Jedi would have been like this should have been a run of the mill yeah thing and it ended up exploding right yeah so I, I think briefly speaking to that whole kind of pre- episode one republic era um there's a lot of interesting stories that are like political intrigue yeah and especially because you can't really use the sith directly because you're limited by the story of like the sith haven't revealed themselves yet so you have to find like other unique challenges for the jedi and for the republic to both show that the republic is in decline but also and you have and that's where a lot of these like you have a lot of terrorism and you have a lot of like yeah political factions and stuff um It is very yeah, politi- like a pl- very c- political civil era. uprising. And yeah, stuff exactly. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Instability, political yeah. instability. It's kind of Mars this kind of era. Yeah, um, which is just interesting because it's like a unique. We can't really use the Sith or big bad, so we have to make like more gray um, enemies. Like some of these terrorist organizations could be seen as freedom fighters. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just an interesting era, just broadly speaking, to kind of where Windu's height would have been. Yeah, so hundred percent. A government would never manufacture a crisis to, in order to secure more power. <laughs> that would never happen. <laughs> I love the republic. <laughs> I love democracy. Sometimes you have to end democracy to save democracy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, uh, I think on that note, we'll uh, fly out of this smelly planet and <laughs> go somewhere else. All right. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>